I was on both sides of the transaction and probably the most stressful phone call I've ever had was trying to get that seller not to just take the money and cancel. So we've seen some tougher transactions lately. I think it was very easy for most people the last two or three years. Everyone was making you know all cash above asking offers, ton of competition. We so it was easy it. being a broker. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, tough being an investor. Right now is a great time to be an investor because right now there's more opportunities, less competition, and a lot of people are not sharpening their pencils. But as a broker right now, there's less volume, so it's a lot tougher to get deals. So we're kind of seeing who has the relationships, who has the skill sets to actually make it through the slower times. Hello, hello. My name is Abel Pacheco, and you're listening to the Five Talents Podcast. How to build wealth like the 1%. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Five Talents Podcast, how to build wealth like the 1%. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. I'm the principal of Five Talents Capital. We're a San Antonio, Texas real estate investment firm, and we're actively invested in 1,500 doors of commercial real estate worth $150 million, much of which is right here in San Antonio, Texas, the Alamo City, baby. I'm also a fund manager, a capital allocator, and a servant leader who learned how to invest like the 1%. And on the Five Talents podcast, I enjoy helping others learn and doing the same. So if you're seeking investment strategies to catapult your family wealth and generate passive income, even in today's volatile market, this show is for you. Because each week we're bringing you interviews with PE firms, investment advisors, financial planners, tax strategists, VC funds, and many others who are highly skilled in handling money, good stewards of capital, and individuals who advise the wealthiest 1% on what to do with their money. So each show, we're going to provide you insights and actionable steps that you can implement to become a better investor. You're always going to learn something that you can apply in your own investment journey on the Five Talents Podcast. We hope you enjoy the show. All right. Hello, hello. This is Abel Pacheco, your host for the Five Talents Podcast. We are super excited today because we have Mr. Jason Lee here with us. And uh, if you don't know this gentleman, you're in for a treat. Jason, what's going on, man? Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Yeah. Thank you very much for taking a few minutes. We appreciate it. And for those that don't know Jason, he's the president and broker at JLM Real Estate. You're going to learn a little bit more about how somebody like Jason, just a young, motivated, you know, grinding, determined individual learn how to break out of the system, break the rules. And it definitely paid off for him big time. He is, like I said, president broker. He's got a real estate uh, portfolio and holdings himself about $40 million. So nothing to sneeze at by any means. And he's helped facilitate another couple hundred million dollars of transactions. So I don't want to take away any of his thunder. I'm going to let him introduce himself, but you're in for a treat. Jason, thank you so much. Man, let me turn it over to you for a moment. In your own words, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, and we'll just start a great conversation here, man. Yeah, that sounds good. Thank you so much. Yeah, I guess I can start with my background. I come from a very humble background. I come from a, a lower middle-class family. I was actually born in a U.S. territory in Seoul, Korea. My dad was in the U.S. Army, and he, my dad actually met my mom there. My mom knew like no English when they met. But my dad's Korean and my mom's Koreans, they both, you know, we talk Korean in our household. So I'm bilingual. We talk Korean at home. 
But anyways, when I was seven, my dad retired from the army and we moved to California, a small town near Concord, California, near Oakland and SF. And that's where we settled. That's where I went to high school, had a lot of, I saw my mom go through a lot of failures, a lot of bad times, not a lot of successes. She tried starting her own business, kind of like her own Jamba Juice that failed. She ran around multiple jobs. My dad was, you know, a security guard slash cop at times, but it was a, you know, I kind of saw from a young age how a lack of money can really affect a family really negatively and how it can really break a family apart. Luckily, even through the hardest times when we couldn't make the mortgage, we still stuck together and worked out. And then my life really started changing when I moved to San Diego. I moved here in 2015 to go to San Diego State University. And coming here, I had really no idea what I wanted to do. My parents, seeing my aunt and uncle's success, they wanted me to be a doctor and focus on medicine. And that wasn't the path for me. And Eventually, I hit a breaking point and didn't talk to my parents for like six months to a year, changed my major from biology to communication and went headfirst in the real estate after I realized that it's what I wanted to do. You know, and that was in 2018. When I was a junior in college, started as an intern at my old brokerage, met some really good mentors who taught me the entire business who were the top producers in the early 2000s here in San Diego. They had a small little boutique brokerage. But the first year, as you know, is the hardest year in real estate and the first six months, I was cold calling all day long, making no money while I had a full-time job as a tutor and as a social media marketing guy. And I was still a full-time student trying to make it. So I was fully on my own in college. I was like in $40,000 worth of debt, 30 or 40 at the time. So yeah, that was my humble beginning. And then once the effects compounded, I really got rolling 2019, 2020 and beyond. My business actually really exploded during the pandemic when a lot of brokers were kind of sitting back. I was in the office every day trying yeah. to make relationships. Yeah. So yeah, that's my journey. Kind of said my stats. I've sold over $250 million of real estate. I recruited a team recently, about a year ago, about nine agents under me that all focus on multifamily. And yeah, my partner and I, without raising any money, grew and compounded a real estate portfolio of over 119 units here in San Diego. All right. I'm excited for you, Jason. What a tremendous background. What an amazing story, man. I'm it's riveting and and I'm pumped for you, bro. Very young individual. You have your whole life ahead of you. In a very short period of time, you were able to achieve massive success. And you know, what I love about it most, you know, is that you came from, you know, humble beginnings, like you said, just an everyday average individual. You know, you, you may want to say, hey, the chips or the cards were against you, you know, having uh coming from a foreign background in different language now bilingual, which is using it for your advantage. But man, I, th I think struggling, you know, maybe in the past where you saw your mom and dad struggle, how did that have the effect on, I'm sure it had some kind of effect on, you know, how, how you perceive and how, what you do today, man. What do you think? No, I, yeah. Well said. I mean, you know, growing up seven to, you know, my childhood's to 18. I mean, I saw a lot of a lot of struggles and I think just caused a lot of trauma in, in my head. Like, I don't ever want that for my future family. I want to give back to my current family because my mom gave up so much to, you know, mm -hmm. for us to come here and for us to, mm -hmm. for me to have a good life. And I didn't have the same opportunities that she did when she was younger. So mm -hmm. I really just want to give back to her. And the last couple of holidays, you know, I, I wrote her like a $30,000 check two Christmases ago. And then last Christmas, like over a hundred thousand dollars. So, uh, oh that, my gosh, amazing. 
So yeah, that came full circle. And, and that was, you know, one of the most life fulfilling things I've done. Cause I really started in real estate because I wanted to make a lot of money and give back to her. So it was good for my goals to come full circle. Amazing, bro. Congratulations. Uh, praise God for you and your family and continued blessings all the way through, man. What an amazing change of, you know, your family legacy and the, what they've done and to what you're doing today, man. So I'm excited for you, brother. Thanks again for sharing just a little bit, you know, the more personal stuff too, because this, a lot of people that I talk to today, they want to do bigger things. They want to invest their money. They want to invest for wealth. They want to create passive, you know, passive income. They want financial freedom. They want all of these things that I think, you know, many of us in the United States, many of us want it. We see others around us achieving these things, but you know, for themselves it's like uh, they fail to make a change. They don't take action. They don't either educate themselves or they don't want to take the time, the effort, the energy to pursue the knowledge to figure out what's needed and then make a move, right? And, you know, I, I love about the, you know, your mom's story too. What I heard in there was, and she didn't have a lot of success through it. She stumbled and failed. And, you know, I think you seeing that as I do, I see people that stumble and fall all the time. And a lot of times the most successful people around me are the ones that fail the most often. So you kind of saw that and you're like, man, she didn't give up. Well, I'm not going to give up either. And now, you know, at the end run, you know, has a big part of who you are and today. And, and that's amazing being able to give back to your mom like that. So, so let's fast forward a little bit. Tell us what you're doing today. So you completed quarter billion dollars of transactions. You have 10 or so agents under you. You're president at your own brokerage. You went from intern to successful broker to learn it, to say, dude, I'm just going to do it on my own. How does that happen? Like walk us through, you know, the trajectory there, man. Yeah, it, it was honestly really scary uh, going off my own because, you know, I was having a lot of success at my old company and I almost felt bad because I felt like I was kind of not betraying, but like leaving my, pe the people who kind of helped me make it. Yeah. The partners of the old firm who taught me how to basically mm -hmm. do succeed in commercial real estate. So I think that I had a lot of like limiting beliefs in my head, but the reason why I actually left and wanted to do my own thing was number one, I've always wanted to have my own brand, but number two, I was butting heads with a lot of older guys in there who had relationships with people and investors in the area. So I was kind of gunning for their clients. And whenever their clients didn't hear from them for a long time and they saw a new listing with me, they'd like freak out and get pissed off. And that happened like two or three times. And eventually I was like, man, I can't take 25 people in this office all doing the same thing, butting heads. And I just want to kind of go out and kind of go into my own blue ocean and do my own thing. So but yeah, I mean, the process of like actually making the jump was probably the scariest thing I've done besides take the leap into real estate in the first place, because every single person I asked for advice for told me that I was an idiot. I was making a horrible decision that I should stick with the corporation, stick with that. I should go the other way. Like now you're at a boutique firm, like go to a corporation and learn like how to do bigger deals and, you know, take even a bigger cut. Like, so for some reason, something in my gut made me run towards my own thing and it really paid off in the end tenfold. Yeah, baby. Congratulations. Well, so today walk us through some of these transactions, like, you know, what kind of deals I think you've got a receptive audience because we do a lot of multifamily, a lot of commercial ourselves, you know, we're in about 1500 ish doors as general partners. We do a lot of syndication. So we put deals together. We raise a lot of capital from a lot of passive investors 
We take a small percentage of that deal as our sweat equity, and then we run and asset manage that asset. So our listener base is a good mix of passive investors and then also investors that want to do the same thing, active general partners. So commercial family area, commercial real estate, you've got an active and receptive audience, I would say. So man, why don't you tell us a little bit about the transactions you've completed thus far, maybe both, man, as as a broker and then as an owner yourself? Yeah, definitely. As a broker, 90% of our transactions are in San Diego County. We specialize in about four to 50 units, like the private space, not the institutional space. So we work with a lot of like mom and pop and small groups, family offices, stuff like that. Out of state, we have done some bigger deals in the trades, bigger retail deals, bigger apartment complexes in like Phoenix, Vegas, Philadelphia, those markets. But yeah, mo- most of our base is down here. You know, right now, I think it'll be valuable to your audience is, you know, I just closed a 10 unit deal here in San Diego for a little over 4 million bucks. And it was the craziest deal of my life because it was like a four month escrow and it went through, you know, obviously very uncertain times. And the seller almost canceled escrow like three or four times because Mm -hmm. the buyer wouldn't perform. And it was like the day after Christmas, the buyer was like supposed to close or two days after. And he basically said he didn't have the money because his business was failing. And on the day of closing, he had like half a million dollars non-refundable release the seller. Yeah. And I was on both sides of the transaction. And probably the most stressful phone call I've ever had was trying to get that seller not to just take the money and cancel. So we've seen some tougher transactions lately. I think it was very easy for most people the last two or three years. Everyone was making, you know, all cash above asking offers, ton of competition. We so it was easy it. being a broker. Yeah. 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 Tough being an investor. Right now is a great time to be an investor because right now there's more opportunities, less competition, and a lot of people are not sharpening their pencils. But as a broker right now, there's less volume, so it's a lot tougher to get deals. So we're kind of seeing who has the relationships, who has the skill sets to actually make it through the slower times. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. The volume has decreased rapidly or dramatically. It's February, as we record this, it's February 15, 2023. So what in the world has been happening if you're living under a rock somewhere in the commercial real estate world, or if you're just new to the game in general, the Fed funds rate has been increasing month over month over month over month. And it is at a dramatic pace, one of historical record pace. So interest rates continue to move up. The 10-year treasury moves up with it. Interest rates from lenders move up. And also loan to values, loan the amount of leverage that lenders are willing to provide is going down, which means as an investor, you need more equity. And more equity means more investors want a higher return. And it's harder to make that deal work. The perceived gap or the actual gap between what I want to pay and what I believe it's worth and what the seller believes their property was worth because six months ago, a year ago, it was up here. Now it's dropped. So that's the environment that we're under today. So Jason, the successful investors that you see today, what are they doing? What are you helping them with? And how are you acting? And let's talk about you know how to find a little success here for all of us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Five Talents Podcast with me, your host, Abel Pacheco. And since you're listening to the show right now, I wanted to break for a moment to tell you thank you so much for subscribing and following the show. I also want to give you access to our simple wealth case study 
for busy professionals that we explain how we invested in $150 million of commercial real estate to generate passive income. So I'm sharing with you how I personally build wealth like the 1% and explaining how you can create passive income in real estate without having to manage it yourself. So do yourself a favor, take a moment now and go to www.5talents.capital. That's the number five talents, T-A-L-E-N-T-S dot capital. And you can register, watch our video recorded case study, and we're going to give you access to our investment club as well. If you want to see all of our next moves, every single investment move that we make, future investment opportunities, and even perhaps invest alongside us, go to our website now. We look forward to sharing more. You can register at www.5talents.capital. And we look forward to having you as part of the club. Yeah. So, I mean, my wealthiest investors who are, you know, 100 million billionaire status investors, they're always buying. I mean, no matter what happens in the worst of times and the best of times, if a deal's a deal, they're going to they're gonna go after it. Of course, you know, you got to be pickier at certain times in the market like this. But, you know, if my investors see a good value add deal that's 25, 30% below current market value, they're going to pounce on that deal no matter what. So I think right now is a great time to really start underwriting deals and reach out to those brokers and reach out to people like you to play some money because there's gonna be some good deals coming out. There's people in pain. I just got lunch with my title officer who's an LP in a 200 unit complex in San Antonio. And the general partner just asked for a huge capital call. They wanted like another like 60% of their investment into the deal to pay off the current debt because the short-term rate is like at eight and a quarter now for their like SOFR loan they got that was short-term bridge. So they're getting killed on the debt payments. And basically they can probably get sued for doing this, but the general partner is trying to get rid of the investor's preferred return if they don't put in the extra 60% Ooh. of their investment. So uh, I don't know what you think there. about that, but I feel like that could lead to a big lawsuit because you promise yeah. something in your PPM, your private placement memorandum, that you're going to get this amount of return and this amount of waterfall, yada, yada, yada. But you're trying to take that away now. So pretty crazy stuff. Man, that's a hard one. So yeah, let's. this is a good conversation. If you're a passive... If you're a passive LP investor in some syndications, pay attention, right? So there's a few things that Jason's talked about. And what's happening essentially as the interest rates are rising, if you have variable rate debt, a lot of bridge loans, for example, that interest rate is going up. So your debt service payment is going up. So if they pause distributions, you know, likely that's why, because there's a little to no cash flow when after we pay for income minus expenses. Normally it would be preferred returns, distributions being paid out. And if they're not hitting right now, then it's like, man, the interest rate is is extremely high. Ask me how I know, right, Jason? So the cash flow is getting squeezed. But in this capital call, which is, hey, I, I need extra capital to put into the deal. Otherwise we won't be able to make the debt payment, i.e. lose the property, which we want to avoid. That's the capital call. Hey, we need more money. But in this, it's kind of like a punitive capital call, which is if you don't put in the money, they're trying to remove some of the contractually obligated or the promised things like a preferred return. Wow, that's tough. That's tough, man. Yeah. So that's what's happening right now. I guess you're seeing it, man. Whew. 
Yeah. I mean, I've been hearing it from people like on, you know, like podcasts and stuff and on articles, but like, until I actually like saw it in front of my face, a real story of him going through it, I was like, damn, like this is for real, you know? Yeah. And I said to Jason, all right, ask me how I know, right? So we've got some tough deals that we're working through and we're trying to navigate the waters. Our expenses are a little crazy. We're trying to mitigate as much as possible and just trying to make the word I've, or the term that I've used is, I heard it earlier today and I used it earlier. I'm like, what the heck were they saying? We got to survive till 2025. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I heard it from someone who's like, oh, an NMHC, you know, in Vegas recently. It's kind of the term that they heard a lot. They survived till 2025. So, okay. So you're the most successful investors back to this for a moment. You said they are investing no matter what. I've heard the same from some pretty big individuals, $100 million plus is they take a little bite. Always they're taking a little bite, maybe not a massive chunk, but no matter what prices are up or down, they're taking a little bite, a little bite, a little bite. So I guess that's what you're seeing. People still underwriting, still analyzing. If it's 25 or 30% undervalue, they're going to take a bite, right? Exactly. Yep. Yep. Cool, man. So why don't you, you know, in your purview, Tell us what's going on in the world in San Diego. Like, I don't know that side of the world. I haven't bought anything in the West Coast. I don't know if I'm exactly excited to try either. 10 doors at <laughs> 4 million bucks. Woo, that's a price. What are the cap rates there today? Maybe what were they six months ago for reference? What are some of the assumptions that you guys were making uh, in operations maybe six months ago and what's happening today? Give us a little bit of, a, of insight from your side of the world. Yeah, you know, it's really tough. The data is just really, really odd right now. But the thing about San Diego is that it's like the last, it's like the one city in California that's like still investable, in my opinion. You know, San Francisco, LA, the politics there are just too rough to be able to really control your investment. But in San Diego, you still have a lot of autonomy, a lot of control of your asset. You can still conduct a value add business plan. You can still displace tenants. You can still, you know, add units, do your thing. So it's not nearly as bad as like your typical California as investors. But the thing that San Diego is going for it is that the biggest data provider for San Diego housing said that San Diego is 70,000 homes behind on meeting the amount of people that want to, that need to live in San Diego currently. And the last five years in 2020 and 2021, 2022, they built a little under 5,000 units a year of new housing. And the gap is only getting wide, wider. So if you're an owner, it's a great thing. If you're a tenant, not so good because rents are going to keep going up and up and up. You know, rents in San Diego the past decade have averaged like over like nine, 10% a year each year. So yeah, I mean, rents here are still going nuts, very steady. The cap rates have gone up a little bit, but the cap rates have actually stayed very low in like the class A areas, like by the beach. Like by the beach, like there's still people paying all cash for like three to four cap properties on the market. But if you go more east, like to more like suburbia, little like class C neighborhoods, less desirable. Those cap rates are definitely up like high fives, you know, high to mid fives, maybe even six if you're in a really bad area that I've mm -hmm. seen trade. But yeah, it, it really depends on the location. But overall, San Diego is a very recession resistant market because our two biggest employers is the military and the healthcare industry and then biotech. So they're all very stable industries that are obviously wages will keep going up in those industries. Tech is going in as well. Like Apple made a huge investment in San Diego. But yeah, overall, San Diego hasn't been hit that bad. A lot of people have equity here. We've had a huge run up and it, prices have normalized, but not, you know, crashed by any means. Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it from the West Coast expert on our show today. So we're excited to have you, man. And 
And anybody interested in investing in, in the West Coast, who do we reach out to, Jason? How do we do it? How do we get in touch? How do we contact you? <laughs> Buy or sell, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If I could help at all with your investment, you can just email me at jason at jlmrealestateinc.com or send me a direct message on Instagram at Jason Joseph Lee. Pretty active on there. Right on, man. Right on. And as a buyer, so what are you buying? Investor, owner, how are you doing that over there? Or where are you investing? Yeah. So I only invest in San Diego County right now, just because as a broker, I know the market better than anywhere else. Uh, I know the values very intrinsically. But yeah, I mean, we've grown our portfolio here. We do want to expand into other submarkets, but right now we've grown our portfolio pretty well here. And the way we did that, I kind of mentioned it before, but the way my partner and I did it was we found like a bunch of like two to four unit properties that are like small multifamily up to like six units. And we bought them at a pretty good discount. And after renovating them and holding it for at least a year, we did a 1031 exchange by deferring capital gains and selling those properties. And we traded into like bigger buildings, like 20 unit buildings, 16 unit buildings. And that's how we really grew our portfolio really fast without raising any money. And instead of raising money, we raised a lot of my partner has a hard money fund. So we got a lot of debt on those properties. So we put not as much down as, as a normal consumer would and grew that way really fast. Right on, man. I'm excited for you. Take note, if you're a passive investor, there's something magical about this 1031 exchange. A deferred sales trust is another way to do it, but you're taking a bite, which we're talking about, buying something, good value. Then you are holding it for some period of time, forcing appreciation somewhere, whether it's naturally or you're forcing it up over some period of time, you you buy it, you sell it. When you sell it, instead of Uncle Sam taking a bite out of your gains, you put it in another property. You go level up. You go from two to four to six units to 10 to 20, 60 units. And I think what I heard there, Jason, is as opposed to you know giving away all of the equity, you try to do it more on your own, raise a little bit of debt so that way you have more equity for yourself. So I would say take note for anybody that wants to be active on the show. What a great way to get a bigger percentage. Uh, if you're passive and you're a passive investor listening, and you're like, that's exactly what I don't want to do. You know, take note. This is why we give away 70% of all of our equity, pretty much on all of our deals to raise these larger amounts and try to close a 10, 15, $20 million deal. But that's the viewpoint, right? How do you want to do it? The amazing thing about real estate is there's no one way to get in. You can get in multiple different ways. So, and, you know, Jason's proof, man, however you want to do it, right? So if you want to own the business, you want to get after it, start your own thing, get out a little bit of the... uh Get some elbow room to spread your wings a little bit, man. You can just go start your own thing, man. So I'm, I'm excited for you. Well, Jason, before we go, is there anything else that, you know, I didn't get to talk about? I didn't get to, I didn't ask, you didn't get to talk about anything you were excited to share. We just didn't get to hit words of wisdom, nuggets, man, the last few minutes. I definitely want to give you some moments here if, if you have them. Oh yeah, no worries. I think the one topic I like to talk about is the biggest reason I see real estate investors succeed versus never start and, or fail, I think a big reason why is because all the knowledge is out there. Like, you know, on my YouTube channel, I'm sure your podcast, there's so many free information out there, so much knowledge you can consume. But the people who fail are the ones who take that knowledge and don't do anything and get stuck in the analysis paralysis. So I think, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, you're doing great stuff by learning and improving yourself and your beliefs and your confidence about real estate. But 
confidence is really built after you buy your first property. So buying your first property is really the hardest task, whether you're active or passive to kind of get over that hump. So I would just say that if you have the funds and the knowledge, get in as soon as possible because the time will never feel perfect. Last little tag, if you want to learn more about like real multifamily real estate investing for completely free, you can go to my YouTube channel at Jason Joseph Lee, where I come out with at least one or two videos a week on multifamily investing. All right. Well, Jason, thank you so much. And to all of our listeners, subscribers, our sponsors over at Anderson, we really appreciate you know everyone getting involved with our podcast. We're hitting about 30,000 downloads a month right now. So we really appreciate your support. If you're listening right now, I'd implore you, put a little written review, like, subscribe, go ping Jason, go let him know that you heard our conversation here on this podcast. I'd be blessed you know, to have that feedback loop closed and really appreciate everything that you guys do, guys and gals and all the investors and passive and active that are supporting us. So we appreciate it. Jason, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Five Talents Podcast with myself, your host, Abel Pacheco. We really appreciate you liking, following, subscribing, and leaving all the written reviews for the Five Talents Podcast. Each week, we're going to continue to bring interviews with private equity folks, VCs, advisors, financial planners, strategists, tax strategists, and other stewards of capital, many of which advise the wealthiest 1% on what to do with their money. So we appreciate you joining. Also, if you want to be notified of monthly future events we're hosting or attending, and if you want exclusive access to the same investment opportunities that have largely been reserved for the wealthiest 1%, many of which you've rarely ever heard about, go now to our website, watch our wealth building case study, and register to be added to our investment club. We're going to send you future opportunities, and you'll be able to watch all the moves that we make firsthand. Your investment journey is waiting for you to take the next step. So what is the next step? Go to www.the5talents.capital. That's 5talents.capital and register today. Thank you again. We can't wait to bring you the next show. And thank you for liking and subscribing.